Welcome to the ESBC Pulpit. ESBC Pulpit is a ministry of the Eastside Baptist Church in Bartlett, Tennessee, and it's preaching that comes from the pulpit of Eastside Baptist Church. Open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I know it's in my Bible. I've seen it in here before. Yeah, thank you, Brother Bob. I appreciate that. In the New Testament. Now, I'll be honest, it's a very simple message the Lord has laid on my heart for us today. It is a message about the Great Commission. I'm titling it today, The Task of the Church. And it is what God has called on us as believers to do. It's a task He's given us to complete. And uh, I'm afraid that many of us consider the Great Commission to be a job that needs to be done but mainly done by others. And uh, the reason we have campaigns like uh, Tell It Tuesday and things like the Who's Your One, you know, we have the cards here and I want to encourage you to invite someone. Our, our campaign Who's Your One means you should get at least one other person to church on Easter Sunday. And if you have somebody you're going to invite, somebody you're praying for, write their name on that three by five card. We'll tape it to the cross. We're not going to read the names publicly or anything like that, but we all know their names are there. We've taken them to the cross and we are praying for the names on the cross over there. I hope you'll be doing that. I think we've got about 15 or so that are up there now and I'm sure more will come. And so I've got at least one. Maybe I'll have three or four or more by the time Easter Sunday rolls around. But we do that because the task is not just others oriented, it's us oriented. It is to be completed by us. And I want you to think about that with me this morning. Matthew 28 verse 18, a very familiar passage of scripture. We're going to jump right in there and we'll read down to verse number 20. Matthew 28, verse number 18, Jesus is the one doing the speaking here. Jesus came and spake unto them. And by the way, this is post-resurrection. This is after He has risen from the dead. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word today. Thank you for the good music we've had already this morning. We thank you for uh, your presence. I thank you for a good crowd, Lord. Everyone is here because you had a reason for them to be here today. And Lord, you've encouraged their hearts to be here. And I'm thankful for that. I pray it would be a blessing to all the ones that are here. We pray, God, that you would speak to each and every heart. Have your way in our lives today. Even as the song uh, sang a moment ago says, open our eyes that we may see. And Lord, it's so much better when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts from the Word of God. I pray that'll take place today. In spite of anything I do or say, I pray that you would speak and that you would cause us to see the truths that will transform our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Notice with me, first of all, the magnitude of the task. 
the magnitude of the task. Could you imagine being one of those disciples? Now, there was 11, they would soon add one more Matthias. So 12 disciples are given this responsibility from an obscure place. Uh, Really, literally, they've never traveled, most of them, beyond the Sea of Galilee. And they've been out and about a little bit, but they don't really know the world like you and I know the world. And they didn't have the internet and they probably didn't even have a world map. But they understood they lived on planet earth. They understood that there were other people and they referred to them as the heathen nations. They knew that they existed. And the Lord Jesus Christ looks at those men after he's resurrected from the dead. And can I tell you, you don't tell a guy who has holes in his hands and holes in his feet and still scars on his brow. And you saw him crucified and he rose from the dead. You don't say, now wait just a minute. Let's talk about this. Nobody did that. This resurrected Savior that entered the room when no one could see a door open, this resurrected Savior that conquered death, hell, and the grave on our behalf, that died for our sins, stood before those 12 men and said, hey, fellas, I've got a job for you to do. And the job that he gave them was beyond their comprehension. How could they possibly complete such a task? It was a task of great magnitude. Notice it with me in verse uh, in Matthew 28, first of all, 19 and 20. Jesus said to go to all nations. Now, one thing about that, that's kind of hard for a Jewish person to swallow, especially at that point in time. I mean, it was me, my four and no more. That was the attitude of the Jewish people primarily. They had the religion that no one else had. They had the truth that no one else had. And God was their God and no one else's God. And now Jesus is saying, take him to all nations. Not only do we see all nations there, but he says to them to be teaching all things. All nations, all things. Mark 16, 15, another, uh, uh, basically the same truth here, communicated in abbreviated form. If you love to be a quick read and you want to read one of the Gospels, Mark is the Gospel for you because Mark really cut right to the chase. He didn't need a a long uh, takeoff place. He just took off and gave you the truth and then stopped. Mark 16, 15 is the Great Commission in very condensed form. And there we read that we're to preach the Gospel to every creature. We're to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the whole world and every creature. We're to do all of this as we face a growing population. I don't know what the population was at the time that the disciples received this command, but uh, when we have gotten this command right now in 2024, the world population is just over 8 billion. I can't even count to 8 billion. Unless I count by billions. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, well, anyway, you get the picture. Eight billion. And God expects us. Now, the majority of the world is non-Christian, by the way. And yet God expects the Christians to reach the rest of the world. A growing population, not only that, but growing opposition. Doesn't it seem that there is a growing opposition to the truth of the gospel? There is a growing opposition in the attitude of the world against Christianity by and large. Now, we're experiencing it more in these last days in America than ever in the history of our nation. Uh, And it seems that COVID just helped to kind of uh, uh, fire them up and feel like they could take more charge and take more liberties and so on and so forth. But the reality is that we're facing opposition in America today to the truth of the gospel that the rest of the world's been dealing with for centuries. 
So there's a growing population, a growing opposition, but there's also the problem of a declining missionary force. You know that right now missionaries are coming home off of the foreign field faster than we can replace them. We're not even holding even. And that's a shame. But I also want to add to that fact, not only are we not holding even concerning the world uh, outreach ministry of missions in the world, we're also in America right now, while others have come out of the closet, Christians have gone in. We're scared to speak of Christ in public. We're concerned to stand for the truth. We're very nervous about handing out gospel tracts and being a bold witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet that is what God has called every one of us to do. So we have a, a magnitude, uh, uh, this task is of great magnitude and it's beyond our comprehension as to how it could be completed and we know about all of this opposition. But guess what? There's some encouraging responses to the opposition as well. First of all, I want you to consider the fact in Luke one thirty seven, the Bible says, therefore with God, listen, nothing shall be impossible. God did not give us a task that could not be completed. God expects the completion of the task. And it says in Luke 1.37, we can't do it in our own strength, but I want to tell you something, in God's strength it can be done. With God there's nothing that is impossible. 1 John 4.4, 4, this growing opposition in response to the fact that they were facing opposition of the, literally the spirit of Antichrist is what's in the context here in 1 John 4, verse number 3. And in response to that, 1 John 4.4, 4, he says to them, ye are of God little children and have overcome them. Because, why? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, if you face some fear about being a witness for Christ, remind yourself, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then that third truth, the third reality, the declining missionary force. You see, every one of these things has an antidote to it. Uh, there, every one of these has a remedy. And that third one is the fact that God told us, the Lord Jesus himself told us to pray that God the Father would send forth laborers into his harvest field. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the sheep wandering about as having no shepherd. And in verse number 37, his response to that was to speak to his disciples. And he said to them, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What's the answer? Pray ye therefore. That's exactly what we're talking about in picking up these missionary cards and praying for them. That's why we continue to support missions. We have Missions Emphasis Month. We want you to pray for them. But you, when you understand the need of the world, it should move you to pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Could you imagine living in a place where you've never heard the name of Jesus? Could you imagine living in a, a family environment where you've never heard God's name except taken in vain? You know, we don't even have to leave our nation. We don't have to leave our city to meet people that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ one time. But there are people in the world right now living in places where there is no gospel witness. We should be praying. The task is great, but our God is greater. So I want you to notice with me, secondly, the means to be able to complete this task, the means to complete this task. There's three things, and I'll give them to you kind of quickly here, and then we'll look at each one. First, we see the power of God, the presence of God, and the promise of God. 
In Matthew 28, verse number 18, the Lord Jesus started his statement to his apostles by saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Imagine that. All power. That word power represents his authority, but it also represents the idea of the ability to get something done. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is saying there, since I have all power, I want to tell you it's time for you to go. All power. We have this statement from Christ. It is in reference to the power of God. Not only that, but in Matthew 28, verse number 20, we see the presence of God. At the end of that verse, what is it the Lord Jesus says? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Uh, Dr. Comfort used to say, uh, that tells me that God loves short people. Lo, I am with you. <laughs> That's encouraging to me because I'm not exactly tall. I, I, I don't think I'm short, this, this depending on who I'm standing next to. But anyway... Lo, I'm with you always. It is the promise of God that you are not being sent on your own and you're not being sent in your own strength. God in heaven above has given us the means to complete this task. That's pretty awesome when you think about it. But here's the thing, it's a reality. His power and His promise, but note, I mean His power and His presence, but notice the promise. Now, this was unfulfilled to the apostles at the time that he spoke Matthew 24, 18 through 20, but it's fulfilled to us, and that's Acts 1 8. You know the verses, these are very basic, and I'm really reminding most of you of some things you already know, but in Acts 1 8, he says, But ye shall receive what? Power. Let's try that one more time. But ye shall receive what? Power. Now, this verse, by the way, in Acts 1-8 is from Jesus. It is written by Dr. Luke. You remember Luke, the beloved physician. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and he also included the statement about this promise of power in Luke chapter 24. And now in Luke, I mean, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, same author. And guess what? In Acts 1-8, in my Bible, it's written in red. Why? Because he's quoting the Lord Jesus Christ. What power is Jesus giving us? His power. Remember, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And basically what Jesus says is I can give that power to you. Do you realize that you are a person of tremendous power? In fact, you have the power to live the Christian life. You have the power to voice the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have the power to resist temptation. You have the power to stand against the enemy. You have all the power you need to do everything that God has asked you to do. He says there in 1.8, all power is given unto me in heaven, or I'm sorry, in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. <laughs> the Lord Jesus can't get past this thing of reaching everybody. I mean, it was constantly coming out of his mouth. It was constantly something he was telling the disciples. And guess what? That task has been handed down to us. Not only is it a task of great magnitude, but He's equipped us with the means to complete it. We see it in His power, His presence, and His promise. And you see His presence and His power in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. And if you today have accepted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you are equipped for this task. Not only see the means and the magnitude, but also I want you to notice the message. We can't really talk about the Great Commission without talking about the message. 
If you go to Mark 16 and 15, he says there that we are to preach the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know you know, but we're going to review it anyway. Uh, the apostle Peter said when he was writing to his scattered flock that it was good to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And so these are all familiar passages to you and familiar topic, familiar subject, but it's good to be reminded. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, we see Paul here declaring the gospel message to these Corinthian believers. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the what? The gospel. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. It's the only way to be saved. He says, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. You know, there are people that make a false profession of faith. That's what it means to believe in vain. That's what the emphasis is on the latter part of that verse. And can I just say what many preachers have said before me? If you have a belief in the gospel that does not impact your life, doesn't change your life, you may need to check up on your faith. You see, we have a gospel that should change our behavior. The day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I knew all along that many of the things I was doing, they were wrong. But the day I trusted Christ as my Savior, something changed on the inside. And boy, there was a different attitude in my heart concerning sin. And so I want to I encourage you, if you're here today and there's any doubt whatsoever concerning where you will spend eternity, I want to urge you to take Jesus Christ as your Savior because He is the only remedy for sin. There's nothing in this world that can change that. There's no one in this world that can help us to overcome or to be uh, released from the bondage and the penalty of sin. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. It's Christ alone, nothing else and nothing more. And he is the only solution to the sin problem in the world. So if you're here today and you're not sure if you have believed in vain or not. You need to get that settled. But Paul here is reminding these Corinthians. Now, let me, in fact, let me just stop here for a second on that subject. Why would he say that to the church of Corinth? Because it was a church filled with sin. They had a great deal of potential. They were very gifted. They had, there was great evidence of the Spirit of God working within that church. But they had some great problems and a lot of them had to do with immorality. And Paul was wanting to help them understand, hey, if you have a, a vain faith that has not impacted your life, you need to make sure you get a checkup on your heart and make sure it's truly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul dealt with it that way. But let's get to the part about the gospel here where he defines it basically in verse number three and four. He says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. He's defining what the gospel message is, how that Christ died for our sins. He didn't die for his sins. He'd never sinned. He died for our sins. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's where we get the gospel message from, the scriptures. He died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. What's it say? According to the scriptures. But notice verse number four. And that he was what? 
seen. He was seen. In verse number four, and that he was buried, I'm sorry, verse number five, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is confirmed because the disciples saw Jesus alive after his death. And so you have this truth, and that is the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why Romans 10, 9, and 10 says it this way, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, listen, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, I, I've talked to people before, and they say, well, I just can't believe. You know, I believe God gave me an answer for that. The answer to that is to repent of your unbelief. You say, I can't believe it. Well, I can't believe certain things that I read. I, I just, when I read them, I'm like, oh, I can't believe that happened. But then I say, I believe it because the Bible says so. For instance, those uh, two million Jews walking across dry ground through the Red Sea. And my friend, it wasn't the Reed Sea, it was the Red Sea. And there was a wall of water on either side of them. And then God destroyed the Egyptian army in the midst of that sea. I want to tell you, it's hard for me to believe, but it's in the Bible, therefore I believe it. It's hard for me to believe that God would love me so much that He would punish His own Son for my sins. Hard for me to believe that I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't whip any one of my kids for anybody in this room. Well, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> and you wouldn't do that for me. In fact, we probably wouldn't pay each other speeding tickets. But God loves us so much that He punished His Son with the punishment you and I deserve. Hard for me to believe, but it's in the Bible, so I believe it. You see, repent of unbelief. And, and you and I must believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again. That is the gospel. And that is the message that we are to take to the rest of the world. It is the only hope of the world. Education's not going to help the world. Money's not going to help the world. All the things that have been poured into societies that are in worse shape than we are in America have never had the impact that the gospel message of Jesus Christ has on people in the world. You see, it is not better systems, it's not better drinking water, it's not better food, it's not better banking, it's not better understanding. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that the world needs. Now, I'm 100% foregoing with missions that will make a difference medically and treat people and help people and, and build something to help them live in or dig wells and all those things. But if you go without the gospel, you have completely rejected God's word. And so this is the message. But can I tell you that the message of the gospel is not the end, it's the beginning. You go back to Matthew 28 and you find, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. Not only do we preach the gospel to them, that's where it starts. And we're responsible not for their decision to receive it, but we are responsible for their decision, or whether, rather for our ability to give it. We're responsible to take the message to them. And by the way, America is becoming a mission field rapidly. In fact, I would say it is currently a mission field. It's like the rest of the world today. It used to, you could knock on a door here in America and most everybody you talked to understood something about the Bible. They had some belief. They, even if they didn't choose to live by it, they believed the Bible was true. Now you got people who have never even read a Bible, never heard a verse from a Bible. 
fact, we got people from other worlds, other, other lands, I should say, living in America and people that literally they have a mindset that's other world and not heaven. <laughs> And so it is a mission field. So we preach the gospel, but then we are to teach them to observe all things, what I've commanded you. To observe, that is to put it into application in life. That's what we're supposed to be doing already. We're supposed to know the Word of God and then apply the Word of God to our daily lives. People are supposed to be able to see that in us, and then we're supposed to take them along step by step and show them how to live for Jesus Christ. When I got saved, the guy that led me to the Lord uh, was really, truly a blessing. I would spend lots of time with him and his dad. And I mean, they, I was probably a burden at times, but they took me in and I watched their lives and they answered questions for me. We're supposed to be doing that for someone. We are to be making disciples. And that's truly what this is about. Teach them to observe, to teach them the truth and to live it out in daily life. That is discipleship. That's the message. Not only is it the gospel, but it is the rest of what Christ taught. So that's the message we're to take in fulfilling this task. And I want you to notice number four, the method, the only method given by God to fulfill this task. You have the means, the power, the presence, the promise. We have the means, but what about the method? Well, the method is go ye. Matthew 28, 19. I, I had a friend, uh, well, you know him. Uh, most of you have heard me talk about him, Brother Tracy Jones. He's talking about these two old mountain men that he knew. Two bear hunters, as a matter of fact, and they were up in the mountains one time bear hunting. And uh, one old guy said to the other, he said, hey, uh, I can't remember the man's name, but he said, do you know your Gozentis? He said, well, no, I don't rightly know my Gozentis. I don't know what a Gozentis is. He said, you know, two goes into four, two times. Uh, two goes into six, three times. Two goes into eight, four times. I have to stop because I might not get the next one right. <laughs> Gozentas. Did you know you're supposed to be a go-ye? <laughs> you see, you got the Gozentas and we got the Gozentas the whole world. You got to be a go-ye if you really want to be fulfilling this task. That's the responsibility that God has given us. This is a task that cannot be completed. Listen to me now. This is a task that cannot be completed without you. Without me, you may not be called to go around the world, but you are called to go. Go ye, every creature, every people, every person, men, women, and boys and girls, going with the gospel in obedience to Christ's command is the only method given by God to fulfill this task. This is a challenge that God gives us, but it is a responsibility that God gives us. There's a New Testament church that's a great example. I want to show you this. Turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And this, this church of Thessalonica is a tremendous example of doing exactly what Paul is challenging us with here and what Jesus challenged us with in the Great Commission. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 5 We'll read a few verses and come back and point some things out on one particular verse. He says, for our gospel, there he is talking about the gospel, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, 
but also in power, demonstration of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. He says, in power and in, Holy, in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. They observed their lives. Verse 6, and ye became, listen, followers of us. What is that? That's discipleship. And of the Lord. Why were they followers of us and of the Lord? Well, Paul and his crew were following the Lord. And as people followed them, they followed the Lord too. He says, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Much affliction and the joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, what in the world? (laughs) You know what that means? Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. That's what that means. And verse number eight, uh, for from you, well, verse seven, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. This is a New Testament church in the city of Thessalonica, there in that region. And what Paul is saying is that you guys, once you accepted the gospel, you followed us and you followed our example and the person of the Holy Spirit gave you the power that we're talking about here, his power, his presence, God's promise. And you went with that. And Paul said, you just declared the gospel to everybody. He's writing to one small church in a region. And Paul said, you did such a good job. There was no work left for us to do. There was nobody there for us to tell. That's the way it's supposed to be for a local church. And you and I would do well to take this as our example and pray that God would help Eastside Baptist Church to be like the church of Thessalonica. There was a great urgency to get the gospel out. And it seems that every member saw themselves as a missionary and they took the message to everyone they could. So we have the method. The method is go ye. But I want to close with this, the motive. Turn your Bible to the gospel of John. John chapter 20, and this is John's uh, record of the Great Commission, John chapter 20 and verse number 21. The Lord Jesus here surprises them. He kept surprising his disciples. He would pop up wherever they might be gathered and talking. By the way, I remember hearing when my kids were young and in school, uh, one of the lessons they learned was that Jesus is the invisible guest at every meal. You know what? That's supposed to help us act a certain way. (laughs) I'm not sure my kids got it. But anyway, not sure I got it. But you know, he's the invisible guest everywhere we are. He ought to impact our lives. And, And Jesus showed up on this occasion. And look at what he says in John 20, 21. Then said Jesus to them again, again. In other words, this is something he's repeating. He says, peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me. Can you read those last few words with me? Even so send I you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. He's talking to His disciples. And really, by default, He's talking to us. How did God send His Son? What was the motive? What's the why behind Jesus sent, or God sending Jesus to the world? Well, you know verses that I know. John 3, 16, right? For God so what? Loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Romans 5, 8. 
But God did what? But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love was God's motive in sending His Son. Love is Christ's motive in sending us. Love should be our motive in fulfilling this great task. John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And I'm reminded of Jesus' response when the young man came to him and said, What's the greatest commandment in the Bible? And the Lord Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. Many years ago in Bible college, I heard missionary David, uh, Daryl Champlin rather, preach a message that impacted me greatly for world missions and just outreach in general. He preached a sermon titled, Love with Shoes On. Love with Shoes On. And the point of the message was this, that you should love enough to put your shoes on and go. We need to be a go ye people. Will you go to a world in need on behalf of a Savior who died for you? There's a task that's hard to imagine being able to fulfill it. But God would not give us a task that could not be fulfilled. But here's the thing that I want you to take away today more than anything else. This task cannot be completed without you. That's every single one of us. There is not a Christian that is not responsible for this task. Now let me say a word about that responsibility. Not only is it a great responsibility, but it's a great privilege. Could you imagine if someone very important came to you and said, I've got a message that's very important. It's the most important message for anybody in the world to hear, and I'm counting on you to take it to someone. Could you imagine that? If you were given a document that was basically the most important document, document in the world, and you were asked to carry that to the next person, and their responsibility was to carry it to the next person and the next person, and that's exactly what the gospel is. So we have a responsibility. But what a wonderful opportunity. Would you be one of the go-yees with the gospel? Jesus said, even so send I you. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. <clears throat> and truly, this message has been a reminder message. I know that most of the people in this room have heard a message like this many times. But it's good for us to be reminded. And perhaps today you could challenge our hearts in a new way. Maybe there's someone here today that needs to go. Maybe today they, they sense your spirit telling them that they need to go to someone. Maybe not even leaving this country, but going to an individual. They thought about who their one would be for Easter Sunday. They thought about some loved one who needs the gospel who is not saved. And then, Lord, maybe there's some in this room that are feeling the Spirit of God tugging on their heart for world missions. Father, I would love to see you call some people out of our church to go to the regions beyond. In fact, I'm praying right now and asking you, Lord, to send forth laborers into your harvest. 
to raise them up right out of this group this morning. You know who they are. I pray as you speak to their heart, they would surrender to you. And then, Father, we have to consider the fact that Paul mentions to the church of Corinth about believing in vain. I pray if there's someone here today that has believed in vain, they weren't sincere in their decision of faith. I pray that today they'd get that settled once and for all. Please have your way in this invitation. And we will praise you and thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?